The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, you ready to talk some wrestling and a little rock and roll? You better be, because that's what we got going on today with Doug Mortman and Dave LaGreca of Busted Open Radio on Sirius XM. It's the best wrestling show that I've heard in America. I listen to it as much as I can every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great, great show. Great, great guys. And today, we're going to cover everything from Iron Maiden and Bruce Dickinson to DNA's situation to keeping everything PG-rated at WWE to NXT and Ric Flair. So many topics, so many subjects. Doug and Dave also have some uh, insider thoughts on Sting's return to the WWE. You'll also hear what I think about that. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, before we get to Doug and Dave from Busted Open uh, Radio, I just wanted to talk briefly about my Mexican experience. Last week, I ended off my WWE fall tour with a trio of shows in Merida, Mexico, uh, Mexico City, and Monterrey in Mexico. Always cool to go back there because as anybody who's been a longtime fan of mine knows that I used to live in Mexico. I cut my teeth there. It was the place where I first became a real star in Monterrey, Mexico, Monterrey, then moving to the big leagues in Mexico Diefe, Mexico City, for Impresa Mexicana de Lucha Libre. Uh, and I just really enjoyed my time there. Always look back with great fondness. Um, from wrestling in Mexico. I was working there an average of about eight times a week and making about $2,000 to $2,500 a week. And I was 22 years old. So I was in the money. You're in the money. And of course, uh, cover boy. I was a teen heartthrob. I was on the cover of a bunch of magazines. Every, every week they had, I don't know, eight to 10 magazines. And I was on the cover of them usually every week, one way or another. And, um, surrounded by crazy chicks screaming and yelling and going nuts. And it was just a really cool way to, to cut my teeth, both for wrestling experience and for life experience, because working with some of those guys in Mexico were incredible. I know a lot of times you think Lucha Libre just flying around and, not a lot of psychology and a lot of bumps. And in a lot of ways, it is that way. But there were a, a real select group of world-class wrestlers there. Negro Casas, who's the Ric Flair of Mexico. Emilio Charles Jr., El Dandy, Silver King, Tejano. Um, so many great guys. Atlantis that I worked with there. And I wanted to uh, give them a little shout-out and give them a little bit of thanks. So when I was in Mexico City which was the second show of the tour, worked with Wade Barrett every night, with some interference by Shamus, Seamus, but as Alberto Del Rio called him, Shamus. Where is that damn, where is that damn Shamus? 
He stiffed me again. <laughs> but we had a really good time working those matches. And after the match, I grabbed the microphone in Mexico City. And uh, I, I did a promo in Spanish. So I'm going to tell you what I said right now in Spanish. And you tell me if any of you are bilingual or, or Spanish speaking only, uh, which if you are, you are not going to understand anything else on this podcast. But let me know how close it is. Uh, I used to speak fairly good Spanish, but I forgot everything since I don't live there anymore. But I grabbed the mic and I said... Um, Gracias, México de F.A. Uh, antes yo habla muy bien español, pero yo olvidad mucho ahorita. Disculpe yo, pero uh, 20 años antes yo vivo aquí en México de F.A. Yo soy un luchador por empresa de mexicana de lucha libre con mi jefe, el señor Paco Alonso. Muchas gracias uh, por él. Uh, también yo, yo lucho con muchos maestros de lucha libre. Yo tengo mucho muy bien experiencias con uh, maestros de Negro Casas, eh, Emilio Chávez Jr., Silver King, Tejano, El Dandy. Uh, mucho, mucho, mucho muy bien luchadores aquí en México DFA. Uh, yo, yo pensar cada tiempo... Mucho bien experiencias aquí en México. And yo olvidar el español, pero yo nunca olvidar México de fe. Yo nunca olvidar de gente de México. Te amo mucho. Muchas gracias, México. That's what I said. So um, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it got a huge pop and a huge reaction. And it was great because, you know, I don't know. Will I ever be back in Mexico City wrestling again? Hopefully someday. But if not, I mean, gosh, like I said, from nine, from the fall of 92 until the fall of 95, Mexico was pretty much my main place of, uh, of employment. So I'll always look back to Mexico for a good time, uh, thinking about the good times I had there. And if I ever uh, get an opportunity to work for Mexico, work in Mexico for the WWE, you know I will be on the show. So, without further ado, it's time to uh, to join up with Busted Open, Doug Mortman and Dave LaGreca. <laughs> okay. Rick Flair Mark. Now, here we go. So, uh, you guys are watching me set up this, this rig. Yes. And we started our conversation. You guys were very impressed by my uh, technical prowess. Very impressed. And then I look over after about five minutes of riveting conversation <laughs> and realize that I didn't turn the damn thing on. You know, ironically, Dave, this was also before he puts us over, but the thing wasn't That's working. That's right. you got to go back and <laughs> say what you said five way. minutes ago. Well, or was, did you know you now, weren't But recording. now we're forcing it, so now it's not as but, cool. But, but I'm a professional. Right. You know, I'll, I'll do a take two. We're sitting here drinking a trooper beer from Iron Maiden because as they both take a swig. Uh, I gave up beer long ago, so I'm going to keep mine as a souvenir. But um, with, with Dave LaGreca and Doug Mortman from Busted Open, and Dave got to interview Bruce Dickinson, so in, in honor of this, we're drinking some, some of this beer. And uh, from my opinion, Busted Open, the best radio show in the nation for wrestling, and something that I listen to all the time whenever I'm driving around in my car, and I don't listen to a lot of wrestling stuff. I'm not obsessed with wrestling, but you guys are, are, are really, really good at what you do. But for you, Dave, you got a chance to kind of step outside the box yes. and, and interview Bruce today. Yeah, Bruce Dickinson. And wait, I, again, I'm talking to him. We're going back and forth. But during like maybe like the 10-minute mark of a 30-minute interview, 
I said to myself, I was like, holy shit, this is Bruce Dickinson. I was listening to Number of the Beast while I delivered newspapers in seventh grade. So I kind of got overcome by it. But at, at the same time, you try to get back into the moment and try to be a professional. Yeah, it's because you have to be. Yeah, yeah. it's difficult. But you though. know the funny thing about like mark out interviews where you're, you're totally into it and you're like almost obsessed with the person you're talking to is how much did you actually retain of what Bruce was saying? You were asking the questions. Were you really listening to what he said and actually hearing it in your head and having a conversation? That is, you, you know what, Doug? That This is why Doug and I work so well together because he knows me. <laughs> and you're right. I don't remember anything from the interview. Like, it was okay, like a cloud. Bruce, great, Bruce. Though, yeah, like, though I will say this. As much as I love Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden, my favorite all time is Alice Cooper. So when I sat down and interviewed Alice Cooper, and that was for Busted Open, because there is a connection between of course, Alice Cooper WrestleMania and Wrestling, too. WrestleMania. Yep. So I actually retained everything from that interview. And I remember I was stopped before I went into the interview because, you know, as a professional, you have notes before you go into an interview. You have a little pad with some questions. And my pad was completely blank. And the, um, one of the producers said to me, don't you have any questions for Alice? I said, man, I've been waiting for this interview for 40 years. It's all up here in my mind. Right. right. And, and, that's, and that's the way it should be. Like we were joking earlier, my list of questions, I have a blank piece of paper because I'm listening to what's going on and where the conversation mm -hmm. takes us. And it might, if you touch on something I want to go back to, I'll write it down. But other than that, the best conversations aren't a list of questions. It's us just talking. And you sure. guys have done your show many, many times. You never have questions written down. You have subjects you might want to sure. discuss yeah. or things you want to talk about. But it's always just where does the, where does the, the chat take you? And that's yeah. the sign of a great interviewer is being hey, able to do that. It's funny, Dave. I know you'll remember this. But when, when this guy called me out on picking up my cell phone during an interview, it's funny. That was me. It, yeah. it, it was good, actually, because it, it slapped me in the face. It's one of those things when you're, when you're interviewing somebody. Forget about doing the show. All right, or enjoying a show. But when you're interviewing somebody, you cannot lose focus on the conversation. Because like you're no. saying, you need, to, you need to be in the moment. And the best questions, the best mm -hmm. content that you're going to get from an interview is when you're listening to somebody. It's mm -hmm. not when you go by if you bullet something out and you have some, you know, I want to hit this and I want to hit that. You got to let the conversation take its place and you freaking slap me in the face and i appreciate that because i'll never forget that and that will never happen again at least during an interview it's it's a learning experience but this guy is so busy he's got like three blackberries and four cell phones so he's always getting <laughs> calls and emails but see that is the secret though you just mentioned like when i'm doing an interview mm -hmm. i always like listening back to my show because i can just sit back and enjoy it because yeah. right now i'm checking levels i'm looking at the time yeah. i'm keeping the conversation rolling with you guys it's easy some guys the conversation really starts drying up and you got to really be going through your mental Rolodex. Like, what am I going to talk about next? I need something. What am I going to talk about? So you can't really pay attention to every word that's going on because you're too busy thinking yeah. forward. And that's, you know? and that's like with you, you're doing a show by yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's really difficult because you're asking questions. You have to listen to what the answers are coming back to you, but then you're thinking about the next question or where it's going. So that's why having a conversation is so important when you're doing an interview. But that's why I'm so glad I have somebody like Doug that I do the show with because, you know, he'll be talking and I can be thinking yeah. the same time while he's talking and thinking about the next question or thinking about the next topic. I, I agree with Dave. A lot of respect for somebody like you who does a show solo. Anybody that does a show solo, you have a special skill set because – you have to be doing the listening, the reacting, the contemplating all at the same time. And that's, mm -hmm. that is not an easy – and by the way, listening is, to me, like the hard, it's the hardest skill 
It's the skill that nobody has anymore. Right. Well, there's so many podcasts and everybody thinks it's so easy to do them. It's not. Or doing, you know, a radio show mm-hmm. like you guys do. It's not easy to be an interviewer. And everyone goes, oh, I'm going to get a podcast. It'll be great. It's easy money and blah, blah, blah. First of all, there's no money in podcasts when you first start. Second of all, it's not so simple. And speaking of starting out, when how did you guys come together? Because you have great chemistry. <laughs> Martin and Thank you. Oh, Thank man. you very much. Yeah, it was, it was funny. It was definitely Dave's idea. Right. Did you guys know each other? Oh, we knew each other for five, six years. Yeah. Well, we've both been at, at Sirius XM for 11 years now, right? Yeah, over 11 years. So we both started out on the NFL radio channel. Um, so, you know, you develop your relationships, especially Dave and I are like that, that core group that first started out here, maybe eight or nine of us plus our boss. That was it. NFL radio. That was the only sports entity. And then, then NASA- <laughs> it wasn't in this building either. Oh, it was in this was building. Was it in this building? Imagine this building except with like a morsel of the people that are sprawled Because <laughs> this place right is now. huge. You know, yeah. it's like the yeah. whole floor and there's yeah. cubby holes everywhere and it's studios crazy. everywhere. And- yeah, we're on top of each other like ants now. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, back yeah. then it was like, hey, hey, come on down <laughs> to my wing. I'm over here. Yeah, exactly. Remember we had that? like four offices. Before Stern, yes. it was crazy. There was, there was nothing there. Here. Stern was really, really changed oh, satellite radio around, right? It put us right, right on, on the, the map. map. And I'll never forget. So we had the relationship with NFL Radio, and this guy comes to me, and he's like, I want to do a pro wrestling talk show. And I'm like, well, I love pro wrestling, and I've done some on-air work way years ago. That was I was into producing and operations. Okay, so you're and I'd already, the I had already like moved on. I'm like, this is not happening for me. I'm not Marv Albert. I can't do play-by-play. I don't have the pipes. I'm a New Yorker. I got the accents, <laughs> you know. And I I see that I'm pretty good at the management stuff, and I'm pretty good at the producing stuff and the relationship stuff. So I I moved on in my career. He is a brilliant producer, a people person, you know, a great friend, somebody that is awesome to be around. And when he wow, came that's the first me, time I've ever heard him say that. Lagreca's got this look of surprise on his yeah, face. Right I love this son of a bitch. <laughs> I think I'm full of tears. I love this guy. It's true. But so when he came to me with the idea, and I'm like, shit. I was like, do we even have chemistry? Like it's what you said. It's like, do we have chemistry? Can we make this work? And are people going to listen to a wrestling radio show? That's what I said to you. Right. Yeah. But I'll say this. Here's the difference between somebody who's dedicated like Doug and somebody who's not. Our boss gave us two days. Now, somebody <laughs> who remained nameless was going to be a host one day, and then Doug was going to do the other day because he was in a softball league, and he didn't want to quit his softball league. So, actually, that left the window open for sure. Doug to come in and be my tag team partner. And here we are six-plus years later. And like you said, I think we've done a pretty damn good job you as doing a wrestling show. You'll appreciate this because you worked with him a ton. Um, our first interview, before we even went on the air, was Edge. Um, it was before WrestleMania 27, yep. correct? Um, and we sat down. No, wait. You're, 26. You're, you did, no, it was before WrestleMania 25. This is going back, Holy man. Crap. It was before WrestleMania 25. We sat down. We talked to Edge. Where was that? Was it Houston or it Phoenix? Houston. 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 That's what it was. Yeah, and uh, it was we put a demo tape together. We God, played it, it for the boss. And next thing you know, we're on the air. And so how were you able to get an interview with Edge for your demo? Because that's a, that's a huge first oh, guest. You got you to gotta finagle a little bit. There's a little fibbing going on and things like that and stuff. And I tell you what helped us, too. And this is where you got to take advantage of things. Our boss was a little bit lukewarm about the idea. Oh, yeah. I got stopped. I got stopped in Times Square by Channel 11 News here in New York. 
And they asked, they said to me, they said, are you a New York Jets fan? I said, yeah, and I'm not a Jets fan at all. They said, well, we want to talk to you about the game. I didn't even watch the game. I just went off and I cut a promo on Brett Favre and Eric Mangini and the New York Jets and everything else. My boss saw it on the news and that kind of like helped. Oh, uh, yeah, wow. so you got to take, you got to seize the moment. That it's, coupled with, again, the brilliance of Doug Mortman and his managerial style. Got the it really on. wasn't much style, Chris. It was more like, boss, I've been working for you, working my ass off for you for a long time. You're going to put us on the air. <laughs> if we suck, take us off. Yeah. That's what I said. If we suck, give us a couple of shows, take us off. Did you start out as a once a week show? It was once a week for then, an then, hour. And then, right? yeah, once a week for an hour. Then it was twice a week. Then it was twice a week for two hours. And now we're on three, three times, times a week, week two hours, two hours. And yeah. hopefully more than that. Monday, soon. Wednesday, and Friday, because people are always saying live for five. Is that something yeah. that could possibly happen? Uh, yeah, well, we'll see. Could yeah. you guys talk about wrestling five days go, a week? I could talk about wrestling five hours a day, every day. <laughs> Why, I've been divorced twice, Chris. A lot of it has to do with the fact that I could talk wrestling five hours a That's day, true. every day. And then talk heavy metal the other five hours. <laughs> right, By the bad. way, Chris, this is a side story, not to take over, but... Doug and I are so close. I don't know if you heard, but I'm engaged and I'm getting married in November. Oh, wow. And my, guess who my minister is going to be? Who? Me. Doug Morton. What, what, you're a minister? <laughs> I'm going to become an ordained minister for this wedding, yeah. I, I'm going to be able to proceed in the state of New Jersey and pronounce Dave and Violetta, man and wife. Wow. If only, if only Dave's uh, fiance could have seen him moshing at the Fozzie gig. <laughs> what do you the think, Dave looked what like do you a wall of death. Her to me? She was watching YouTube <laughs> and saw me moshing at a Fozzie he gig. He probably doesn't know either uh, where you're getting married. Uh-oh. I'm getting married at a friend's wrestling school. We're getting married in the ring. In the ring? Yeah. That's great. Whose school is it? Uh, Kevin Knight's IWF. All right. Shout out to Kevin Knight's IWF. So so was it um, to get the show up and running three days a week and kind of break through? I mean, you guys have a really big fan base. I mean, is that true? Like, can you track the ratings on your show? Like, for example, my podcast, I know the downloads Mm -hmm. like the next day. Every day I can see. How do you know that you were popular enough to move up to... Two shows a week, two shows a week at two hours, three shows a week yeah. at two hours. Is it based on a certain criteria, or how do you know? Uh, ratings, it's it's tough to really get who's listening from a subscriber base of thirty million with a selection of say one hundred forty channels, mm-hmm. approximately, give or take here at SiriusXM. I think I I base it off of caller volume. That's that's my yeah. hmm. number one uh, juice meter. Let's call it. If the right. phones light up, and it really depends. Like sometimes you say one thing, one little line, and it just sparks. Because the metrics are there in terms of who's listening versus who is now prompted to pick up the phone, take their time to actually. Yes, dial those, those are digits. real fans. Yeah, it takes it to a whole nother level to get them to that point where it's probably like five to ten percent of the people that are actually listening to you that'll pick up the phone. And actually call in. So if you light up the phones like a Christmas tree and, and somebody hangs up and another person dials in, you know you're doing well. Yeah, and mm. the first time we saw that phone bank light up, we knew yeah. that this was the right decision. Yeah, and we made the right yeah. decision to the point where, for me, Chris, and I do other things, this is all I want to do. Like, doing this show is so important to me now. And see and hearing the reaction from the fans and the chemistry that Doug and I have, I mean, this is without a doubt the best thing I've ever done in my career. Well, and you also kind of come across now, it's much like Eddie Trunk. You know, he, he's done this for so long that he becomes the voice yeah. of heavy metal in this country. You know, his opinion yep. means so much. 
Same with you guys. Like, Busted Open, Doug and Dave, and you have some other guys that are on the show as well. But you two guys, like, people will tune in to see what did they think because you've become kind of this voice yeah. of, of, the, of the common man fan in the country. To the point where we're mentioning Chris Jericho's book. That was cool. You know, like, I'm on the train coming into New York <laughs> to go to work, and that. I'm like, I, I see LaGreca. I'm like, what the? <laughs> and then I see Mortman. It's like, wow. Who was the other guy? There's a Riker, Riker in there, too. Yeah. That was very nice. Yeah. yeah. That was me just amusing myself and saying that I think this is funny. I'm going to put it in there. And you should see the proof, proofreaders are always trying to cut, cut out my jokes. And I'm like, just don't even try and understand why this is funny. <laughs> the people that get it will love it. People that don't, just don't worry about it. It's gone so quickly. Yeah. And that's what's great about your books because I'll see, you know, a joke about Guar or yeah. like or an Iron Maiden reference to Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, and I'm like, I get it. And I'm sure there's people who don't get it, it goes right over their heads. But but that's why the, I put it in there. Yeah. yeah but yeah. for those who get it, it's amazing. So for you guys, when you do three shows a week now, yeah. I mean, you're doing some in-depth discussion about every pay-per-view, every Raw, every SmackDown, every TNA, mm -hmm. every of honor mm. how much wrestling do you have to wa watch a week to then go and talk about wrestling for six hours a week that's funny you say that because i mean we have experimented every which way as far as what's going to hit and recaps do not hit recaps i mean it's great to go over things and if you have something big very important to talk about the news but at the same time people want opinions people want a conversation so that like our show has definitely had a metamorphosis from its infancy where there was a lot of recaps and a lot of, you know, okay, got to watch SmackDown and got to watch Raw. Yeah, we'll watch everything, but we're very meticulous on what we pick out to actually use as, as a topic because we want something to be interesting and entertaining. If we're not entertaining, we could be have the greatest analysis Break down pro wrestling like we're a mad scientist, you know, to the point where, you know, oh, my God, these guys should be uh, teachers, which is preposterous, <laughs> you know. No, I mean, we just want to entertain people. We just want to have fun with them. Yeah. You know, we just want to we just want to chat and, and spark a cool conversation. Right. And, debate, yeah, yeah. and we have but we have to watch everything just for the fact you never know what a caller is going to yes. bring up. Because mm -hmm. that's what that's the difference between taking calls and not taking calls because you're leaving yourself wide open. So if somebody calls in about, you know, the Dudley's match on SmackDown, you know, we got to, we got to know about it. So we have to watch it. But, but Doug is right. It, at the end of the day, we're entertainers. So one thing that hit the last time we were on the air was we were talking about Oreos. Like we're talking about Oreo cookies <laughs> on the air, double sure. stuff, double stuff. Well, on the double stuff. <laughs> yes. And, and, and that sparked, Phone calls that sparked, you know, social media and Twitter. Now you never know what's going to hit. And what were people talking about? Whether they like Oreos or not? Well, I just, yeah, I, I think somebody mentioned Oreos, so I just quickly turned to Doug and I just said, you know, what's your thoughts on Oreos? And then he talked about <laughs> how he loves the double stuffed Oreos, and I talked about the ho Halloween seasons coming, so they have the orange cream inside the Oreos, and then we're talking about how how we eat Oreos and how. Doug, only Doug would do this. He would take the cream filling out of the Oreos and stick the, the cookie back into the bag. I mean, <laughs> but it was poor form. Somebody might want the cracker. Nobody <laughs> wants the cracker. Everybody wants the cream it's the filling. It's the stuff. It's the stuff. See, but th this, this is where you know that you have great chemistry because you will tune in to listen to you guys talking about Oreos. You know, I have some friends that do a KISS podcast and they, they're not doing them as regular. I'm like, why aren't you guys putting them every week? We're running out of topics. Who cares? Yeah. Talk about something else. Talk about bands that open for KISS. Talk about, you know, they're up in Canada. Talk about Canadian weathers. Talk about anything. It's the chemistry of the guys 
talking that is what you're tuning in yeah. for and that's the biggest difference between radio and tv because radio is not scripted you could start on something but you we don't know where we're gonna mm -hmm. end so we're starting here this is the things that we probably want to cover on today's show and then you never know where you're gonna end up the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, here with Mortman and LaGreca from Busted Open Radio. Let me ask you guys, what are some of the hot-button topics over the last few months that have caused a lot of debate on your show? Well, right now, I think the biggest topic is Sting in a WWE championship match versus mm -hmm. Seth Rollins and, you know, future or nostalgia. And, and I don't want to say Sting is just a, a nostalgic piece that you're just going to look at Sting and be like, okay, you know, he's, he was great 15, 20 years ago. By the way, he was 35, 40 years of age at that point. He's, he's 50, what? Is he's 56? like 56 or 57 yeah. years old, which it's is unbelievable. amazing. It's yeah. unbelievable, and he's in great shape, and he's a brilliant wrestling mind, and he's, you know, what he's done with his life and everything is, is to be commended. But at the same time, Seth Rollins is freaking out of this world, out of control, amazing wrestler. I feel like from a character standpoint, something that you'd appreciate, I feel like he's worked so hard to get that character where it needs to be, just to be totally over... To get that, he's just a heel heat magnet. You know, he's a, he's a heat seeking missile at times mm -hmm. with with how he has developed himself. And Sting's in a championship match. Why? He lost one match at WrestleMania, and now he's in the championship match. So we like to get into booking. We like to think about what's but, but, going on behind the scenes. Well, let's talk about this. So yeah. why why does that bother you? Is it the way I see? It? Well, I'll let you answer first. Why does that bother you? Because how does he get booked in that position? Why would Triple H put him in that position? Because he's an iconic character and, and kind of it's a breath of fresh air for a new matchup, maybe. So five years ago, I'm screaming about how Sting should not be in a championship picture in TNA to the point, Chris, that I was saying it on the air before we were about to interview Sting. Sting heard it and Sting, Sting and I, Sting's not a big fan of Dave LeGrecky. <laughs> he called him political. He once. called me political to the point where we, were, we sat down. Dave is not political. We sat down way. like this. It was before one of the TNA pay-per-views. And, you know, Doug's asking questions and Sting is sitting back and answering every question that Doug asks. I'd ask a question and I get a look or I get yeah or no. And then at one point I ask him a question and he just stares at me, looks down, shakes his head and says, that's you being political again. And I'm like, wow, me political. I don't even, I don't even know what a Democrat means. But anyway, but like I was yelling about how, you know, this is years ago, how Sting shouldn't be in the main event. Sting shouldn't be in the title picture because, hey, if TNA wants to take it to that next level, they need to get their younger talent over, blah, 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 blah. But here I am. In 2015, screaming at my TV, yay, yay, but see that, but, Sting. But see, that's the cool part of it. It's like, and first of all, if you're going to be a wrestling fan, you guys know this, and everybody listening that knows this, if you are wrestling fans, you can't be logical. Logic needs to be put on the shelf when you're watching wrestling because, okay, so Sting has now replaced the statue. Where did the statue go? How did they get in there? How did they take him down? You know what I mean? Where is the statue? you got to forget about that stuff. But to me, same as you, Dave, when I saw Sting come out of the – and I'm, I've never been like a huge Sting guy. 
but seeing the thing come up and he's standing there. It's cool. It's a cool cool moment. So to me, I thought it is it is kind of good because yes, it, it's not like it's Sting versus Hogan or Sting versus Triple H. It's Sting versus Rollins, so right. it's a good one-off match the way I see it. But school me on the booking here, Chris, because to be honest, you know you you you've done this before. You say you know take the logic out of it, and, and here's the reason. You know give give me a reason that Sting should be in a championship match because he's Sting. And we've never seen him in the WWE, and it's a new matchup, and it's fresh, and it's something that people are going to want to see because he's in the championship match. That's the difference between TNA and WWE, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You come to the WWE, you're in the big leagues. You can work in TNA your whole life and be the champion every night and be the biggest star in TNA. You come to WWE, now you're, you're finally a star. That's the way I look at it. So Sting coming into the WWE is the last bastion of the biggest iconic names that's never been in the company is a big deal for guys like us. For kids, they have no idea who Sting is, but they're being told that this is a big-time guy, cool face paint, cool look. They don't know if he's 60 or 30. You can't tell when you see him in the ring, right? So I think it's something new that gives a little bit of a breath of fresh air. Now, on the other side of the coin, I see what you're saying, but to me as a fan, I'd like to see it. Well, see, this is where I, I see both sides because, like you mentioned, Kiss before. It's kind of like when Kiss reunited; they have the makeup on. You don't know how old Kiss is, right. you know, and you're kind of in the moment, and it's like 1977 again. Sure. Um, but what are your thoughts on the modern day product of, of of WWE? Start with that. I mean, is is it? it let me let me rephrase this. Yeah. When you guys are taking calls, there is a lot of a tendency for hardcore wrestling fans to basically hate everything. Everything sucks. Is it? Do you guys have to? You guys have to be biased, or do you just say yes, we hate everything, or we love everything? What's your thoughts on how do you deal with that? I automatically root for the newer product, like because I don't want to sound like, even though I am old, I don't want to sound like the old man. You know, I don't want to be old the and grumpy sour. old man. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be that. So I tend to lean towards liking something, even if I might be leaning towards not liking it, because I want it to sound like it's a positive thing. I, I don't want to take that, hey, you know what, everything new sucks. I, I don't want to do that. Now, there are times that some of these matches that we've been seeing are great. The, the match we just saw from you is an amazing match. We've seen several over the last couple of years. And, and I think, too, at SummerSlam, Maybe I don't agree with the finishes, but we saw some really good matches. So I kind of I try to lean towards liking the newer product as opposed to not liking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with Dave. I mean, I think you try to start out like even keel. Like, I'm going to go in this unbiased. I might hate the card or I might not like the booking going in, but let's see what comes out of it. Because there's some great matches. There's some great pay-per-views that catch you off guard. I think the 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 biggest criticism that we get on the show and when we fall into a negative mode when we're getting you know the the reaction at busted open radio on twitter shameless plug and <laughs> and and people are saying you guys are so negative it's always i'm, I'm like saying 98% of the time storyline booking related it's never the talent that's the one thing that i think you'd agree with in terms of right now you got a crap load of great talent, yeah, great absolutely. young talent, super young talent, moderately aged talent, like 20s into their 30s. And then, you know, the elder statesman, when you when you have Triple H and sometimes, you know, he'll he'll put on the gear, he'll come out at a WrestleMania. He every single freaking time he puts on a great match. When you have a Chris Jericho, when you like to work, when you decide to come out on the WWE Network, which 
probably ticked you off. You're like, I don't want anybody to see this. Just I didn't. Japan, I Canada. didn't. Yeah. I was just like, ah, same with the gar- Tokyo. Same the Garden Show coming up. I'm like, ah, I don't even have a match for that. I'm like, ah, but anyways. But you guys, <laughs> your work rate is phenomenal. So it's never a talent thing. It's always a booking thing. And maybe that's just been the case over the course of time that there's always great wrestlers. It's the situations that the professionals get put into that the fans have a problem with. But, you know, when you have booking issues and then you're in a PG era, that's when it becomes a problem. And I, we want to see the, the aggression. We want to see what we see from Brock Lesnar every time he's out there. I think that's, that's what gets the hardcore fan going, and I don't think we see enough. You're saying because the PG-13 limits, limits some of those things that you could do back in the old days? Or? I, I, absolutely. Absolutely, although you, you see a hint of it every now and again. I mean, I, I, just watching SummerSlam, I, call me crazy, Brock bladed. He gets cut every single yeah, match that he has, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, cut right across his forehead. I'm like, that is not yeah, the hard we, way. It Edge and I be. were talking about that at WrestleMania, too, is he happens to just always get busted open. No pun intended. <laughs> but, you know, does somebody like a Brock Lesnar have a little leeway to do something like that? Batista got fined a hundred thousand dollars, so there you go. There you go. So no. <laughs> yeah. it's so all no. about the money. Wait, wait. It's about the corporate sponsorships and I'm about sure. the presentation. So even Brock, you know, uh, Vince would would, you know. Yeah, and I, I think to to go back to your question is you have to understand the landscape now. It's it's not Tommy Rich against Buzz Sawyer. Like I got to realize what I grew up watching is different than what I'm watching right now. So I have to adjust. I have to, as wrestling fans, we have to adjust. It's a different product. Just like any, everything changes. Sure. I, everything, I agree you with know, that. In the, in the NFL, you're not going to see those huge hits and, you know, guys getting, you know, blindsided. Those things are not yeah. going to happen. Here, here's, here's my issue with that statement though. And I, I, you're right. Okay. But like Rich and Sawyer, okay. You have a, a great feud over the course of time. Okay. And people nowadays, Maybe it's just a societal thing. I'll go back to uh, late 2014 and Cena and Rusev started that feud, which carried through WrestleMania. From a time standpoint, you're not going to get much more than a six-month feud, let's say. that was Maybe you didn't get the payoff that you liked, but you got your long-term burn. And people were having all sorts of issues with Cena and Rusev because, I mean, ultimately Cena gets over. But at the end of the day, it's you, you got to be happy with something. You can't always be the negative right. Nancy. Yeah. You, know, you got to be able to extract. Okay, you know what? They had a freaking six month feud. Rusev was getting that rub from John Cena for six months. He he had a WrestleMania match where there were freaking Russian stormtroopers. Yeah, 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 that yeah. was a badass entrance. Yeah, I mean, it was great. You got to be happy with that kind of run. Yeah, it's it's so many different sides, but part of it too. And you talked about the negativity. That's that's the time that we're in right now. It's social media and phone calls. I mean, negativity kind of. Everybody has an opinion, so yeah. they can say whatever they want. And, and unfortunately, you read the negative ones, and sometimes you shy away from the positive ones. So to get somebody to to be emotional enough to pick up the phone and call us, is it going to be something that they loved watching, or is it going to be something that pissed them off? Nine times out of ten, it's probably going to be something that pissed them off. It's the debates, right? It's such a great point that you make. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. To and, and that's going to adjust the course of our show, where you know your your ninety percent of the callers are going to complain about something because 
Why are you going to pick up the phone? Sure. Say, hey, yeah. I love that. That was <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, you're right. High five to the phone. But it's probably like that for every call-in show, whether it's a, a political show yep. or whatever it may be. You're calling in to talk about things that piss you off. You know, what about uh, what about the the, the the TNA? Like you guys always talk about. You used to have TNA uh, Tuesdays or TNA Fridays or whatever it was. Yeah, we used to do the TNA and Friday and on Thursdays. It, yeah. It's it's one of those things where um, just the company had the keys to the kingdom, but every time I see something new that comes yeah. up, there's just no steam in that company, and that's a sad thing because yeah. at one point we were in Puerto Rico last night, and on the wall in the dressing rooms on the in the hallways, there's portraits like like up on this wall and you see all of the people that have performed there and right in the middle of you know iron maiden and luis miguel and and rush and tna and it's james storm and jeff jarrett and there's a crowd of people in this big arena 2007 (laughs) and i'm thinking where did they go wrong what happened with them and do they have a chance to kind of rise out of this kind of a hole that they've grown no. into Dave shaking your head no, I'm sorry I, yeah. I, I, I'm I was a fan of TNA I'm still a fan of TNA I want them to do well but we talk about it on the show that there's always there's this black cloud yeah. above TNA unfortunately and whenever they do something good two bad things happen and it, it's unfortunate they they've had to tell look at the roster that they have had over the course of their history the people yeah. that have stepped into that ring that have come and gone uh, oh my though. gosh the gone part is, is yeah you mentioned james storm and when you start having originals leave aj Samoa Joe, yeah. and all those type yeah. of guys, right? The homegrown characters that you used to watch because they were in TNA. You'd and watch them and there. the biggest loss, Chris, was not a person. It was an entity. It was Spike. I mean, they went from having double the capacity for viewership to Destination America. And their ratings, as, as bad as they were at times, they were still averaging. I, I look at viewers. I don't look at Of course. Ratings. Still over a million A million, people. million one, million two. And now they're down to like 300K a night. And you can't survive like that. You can't survive when you're not touring. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the thing that I sit back and marvel at the WWE about and, and how they are able to orchestrate everything. And literally, we even talked about it on our show today and that – it's a, it's like a circus. It's this traveling road show that has all these different moving pieces and, and it's choreographed brilliantly. If TNA is not touring, if they're not doing house shows, live events, whatever you want to call them, their name's not out there. They're, mm-hmm. they're not attracting new viewers. They're, they're yeah. not, and they're not currying favor to the people that still love them. Those are the people that turn on them so quickly. they can't go see like, them. Yeah. It's, exactly. And like we're talking about now, everybody's got a problem. Well, everybody has their bullseye, has their target on TNA's back when they want to, when they want to take issue with something. TNA is the first thing that's coming out of their and, house. And you're absolutely right in everything you're saying. But like some of it's bad luck and some of it's their own doing. But Jeff Hardy debuts on Impact mm. Wrestling the same night that Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels are in the ring together. What are you watching? <laughs> right. You know? and, but like, and then there was the, the Victory Road pay-per-view with Sting and Jeff Hardy where it was like a 15-second match. But Jeff showed up yeah, out, of, yeah, out of shape, yeah, yeah out of form. And, 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 you know, so things like that have happened to them. And, like, Hogan, they have Hogan bring in. What was Hogan? Everyone's fear when Hogan came to TNA. Oh, is he going to bring all his buddies? Yeah, he debuts with the Nasty Boys. And so, yeah. you know, so a lot of that's, Bad luck, but a lot of it's their own fault, sure. too. And it, is it on-air guys that were brought in, or was it the Bubba the Love Sponges? Was it, and I have a lot of respect for him, but was it Eric Bischoff, you know, mm-hmm. that, that took the reins and, and him and Hervey 
you know, did their thing and, and changed. And, and again, what was unique was no longer unique. The six-sided ring was gone. They brought the traditional ring in. And you can't compete with WWE. You can't even look like WWE. Yeah. It needs to be a drastically different product, which why, you know, you look at a ring of honor and do they stand a chance at least in being a true number two, maybe, because at least they're diametrically opposed to what WWE Right, and, and what is number two? You know what I mean? If you can play halls and draw a 1,000 people, and that's good for them, will they ever be able to raise that to 2,000 or 3,000? I'm not sure if anybody can do that at this point yeah. in time. You know? I don't know. I, th- there's still a part of me that thinks that boy, if, if there was somebody really smart in the managerial mm-hmm. position, and there, there's a connection that sometimes the WWE doesn't have with the fans, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and I really think... A little bit that, of an arrogance sometimes. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it seems like sometimes they take time off. Let's face it. There's, there's the Raws. <laughs> yeah, the Falls. In November, you're not, getting a, you're not getting some great Raws. And I still think there's people with an old school philosophy like me that if there was a company that was similar to that, had a different style, hey, New Japan is getting really popular now. They're showing matches from a year and a half ago and people are watching. So I think if there's a company that does things the right way, I'm not saying they're going to overtake the WWE. I'm not even saying that they're going to compete with the WWE, but I think they could be healthy and do well. Could Jeff Jarrett, it's funny you mentioned Jarrett and Storm, and those two guys are on the tip of my tongue. When I think of TNA, I think of the folks that they've lost, and, and especially this latest exodus with James Storm, has to be just just hit him at the core. So you're you're a big fan of James Storm. I'm, I'm oh, I think up, yeah. he's great, but I think they've had a lot of other talent. But he's he's the epitome of like the guy who's been there the whole time. The entire his entire From career, the, start, the yeah. entire legacy of TNA, he was there, and, and like a guy like AJ, great, but. You know, AJ had his own issues mm-hmm. with, with TNA. You know, it, it seems like a little bit of a different scenario. But Jeff Jarrett, he's got this global force entity, which is like, what the hell is global force? <laughs> I would love to know because he talked about TVs. I don't see global on TV except when he's on TNA. Right. So could global TNA come together, a rebrand? And I always say I, I hate the notion of a rebrand because you built – this library you've built these great matches over time so why do you want to lose a name to me you're at the point where it's just you say tna and it's a negative. Uh, right yeah. impact wrestling it's a negative that's right so maybe global force assumes the tna brand and maybe the combination uh, with the stewardship of a jeff jared who obviously has been in the wrestling business his whole damn well, life he built the company in the first place Absolutely. to what it was at, at some point point. and the thing that's uh, that's really hard to overcome now is the wwe network because you can get your fix from the, from watching something from 20 25 years Good ago point, right i mean so like if i'm a wrestling fan and maybe i don't like what, what the direction raw is going in I could go watch WrestleMania 3 or I could watch Starcade 84 and I can get my fix that way. I don't even need to look at a new product. Which, funny enough, goes back to our previous conversation about Sting. To me, that's like the number one reason why Sting is out there right now, why Sting is, is you know, going to take WWE into the fall and he's at the top of the card is because he reminds you to get to your ass to that network. And you watch mm-hmm. you go watch all that's your great... WCW Hey, pay-per-views. man, and don't think that's not part of the reason why he's in the main event. You know, it spikes network buys because that's what we're all based around yeah. us, selling those networks. And, and when you mentioned TNA and saying 
when something is is cold, it's cold. When something is hot, people will go to it because it's the thing to do. And the perfect example is NXT right now. Oh. Talked about Barclays Center three nights in a row. Tell me any other sports entity, entertainment entity that can sell three shows in a row unless it's like a U2 or something like that. That's incredible. Three sold-out shows in the middle of, of Brooklyn. Uh, I mean, what did you guys? Did you guys go to all three of them? That's by the way. That's funny that he says that. I was thinking Billy Joel because okay, he's like this right. installation at Madison. Square yes, Garden yeah, but you know what though? That's, that's what I was thinking. But it's of. different because it would be like Billy Joel. Night one, he's doing his '70s stuff, and night two, he's doing his '80s stuff, and then you true, know, and then true. night three is everything after that. Well, you probably get a sellout night one, but two and three, eh, I don't know. And the thing is, too, Billy Joel is Billy Joel, iconic, legendary. Yeah. NXT, they're not even on TV. Yeah. Really? Crazy. I mean, they're on the network, but I mean, the fact they drew, okay, SummerSlam, of course, is going to sell out. Of course, Raw is going to sell out, but the NXT, I think, surprised everybody. What did you guys think when you started hearing the numbers they were pulling in for that show? Unbelievable. The first thing I could think of is poor us, because we were working with JR at the Gramercy Theater. <laughs> oh, that night, were you hosting the show or something? We hosted yeah. JR's oh. show at Gramercy. It was still a fantastic experience, just being up live on stage as, you know. But when, but when the NXT tickets went on sale, JR's tickets stalled. It yep. yeah. yeah, absolutely. It definitely hurt, and, and, and JR still did an amazing show. But, you know, we got a little, little taste of what it's like for folks like yourself with Fozzie or, you know, Jim just doing his thing. And, you know, being in front of a live crowd with the lights on, <laughs> it was amazing. You know, this guy cuts me off. I, I did. I, to- I totally did. screwed Doug. I At totally screwed him. Oh my God. I got, I, I steal his line. Or and something? I don't know if this, no, it's, I am sure in the entertainment business, this happens all the time, but he Doug and I, the cannons before the cannons <laughs> yeah, are supposed to be shot. Yeah, Let's yeah, just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Picking, I, I'll say a couple of different things, but yeah, you're right. Um, so we, we had dinner before the show, Doug and I, and we, we went over what we we're going to do. And Doug's like, all right, I'm going to start. I'm going to do like the whole, like, you know, at busted open radio, busted open nation.com, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to throw it to you. And you tell a little bit about your memories of JR. Then you throw back to me. I'm going to tell this great story about SummerSlam at Madison square garden. And then I'm going to wrap it up and we'll be done. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was perfect. <laughs> By the way, he was supposed to give a Gordon Soley, you know, give me some old school stuff, you know, talk about JR the broadcaster or JR some cool old school matches. Now, I'm going to take it. I'm going to make it all, I'm going to tie it all together. I'm going to talk about Madison Square Garden. I'm going to talk about SummerSla- <laughs> SummerSlam, right? SummerSlam 98, one of my favorite <laughs> matches, which was, it was, a, it was not Austin and Taker. Who was it? It was Rock and Triple H, of course, in that amazing mm. ladder match, mm-hmm. which really just like put them on this Both like, on the map. crazy, yeah. like just boom, right to the top. And I was going to talk about... Rock bleeding. I was going to talk about Triple H getting his knee bashed apart by the ladder by the Rock. I was, you know, Mark Henry powder in the face and China with the low blow. And I was going to be like, and you know, who, whoever called it better, whoever got you into that point where he's combining sports like a play-by-play call and giving you all the background and setting the stage and giving you that crescendo and then boom, one, two, three. Or in this case, not a one, two, three, but Triple H grabs the the, the, the the title off of the top of the ladder and you know he's the Intercontinental Champion, but JR. And it was going to be real simple. It was going to be like, it's never ha- it, it has not happened since JR has left the business. But guess what? He's right here. And here's the man of the hour, blah, 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 Jim Ross, right? 
But this guy, I stole this pot. This guy, <laughs> he, he paints a beautiful orchid. He doesn't even tell the, even tell I, the story. I, I, because the, here's the yeah, the Crockett story. Is it gonna be a Crockett story? Is it gonna no, be shit? I, listen, this is what I did, Chris. I read the crowd. The crowd. I had the crowd eating out of my hand. And Palm I, of your hand. Listen, this I shit the bed. Untrue. I shit the bed. All right. I feel. I feel really bad about it. And What'd I you apologize do? you. I. Here's what I you did. Blew your First spot? Of, uh, yeah, you blew your spot? Yeah, blew something. <laughs> I said, I, I told, like, hey, you know, New York crowd, it's great to be in front of the New York crowd, a mile away from the Mecca of Pro Wrestling, the IZOD Center, and I got the booze from the crowd. And I just started working the crowd a little bit. And then I didn't mean to rap it, Chris. I swear to you, Doug. I apologize. I didn't mean to rap it, but I mentioned JR's name, and the place went nuts. No, so goes, I was like, then I can't he, throw it back to Doug now. He it's goes, not like I'm going to right, everybody that. quiet because Doug's got a great story. It was, no, it was better than that. He goes and give it up for JR. <laughs> and they hit the freaking music. <laughs> I stole this pop. Freaking boomer I stole this like, pop. you son of a bitch. And there comes JR. It's I over. The music guy. I didn't that. say hit the music. Chris, I know. Never how said hit the music. How important is time and it, live events? Yeah. It's everything. It's time you know is everything. How much you have going in and yeah. you try to stick to the mark. I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, you know, JR's on stage three minutes early. I go, we had three more minutes. Listen, three minutes of all his stuff. I, Seven minutes no, listen, of quality is listen. so much better than ten. <laughs> Ask any girl I've been with. Five minutes of quality is so much now, that's better. That's your story after, not their story. But. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Doug Morgan and Dave LaGreca from Busted Open are sitting here, and we're talking about NXT. Uh, but what do you think the appeal is of NXT that makes it such a hot product right now? They have great wrestling matches, and they finish the matches. Like they finishes, you yeah. mean? Yeah, they they have endings. They have conclusions to feuds. Sometimes these feuds don't even carry out on the on the the WWE Network product. But sometimes you don't even care. You just you could go. If you wanted, take over to take over and literally just start from the beginning. You could just start with Divas matches alone. Emma and Paige from the original one. Go all the way to the end, Sasha and Bailey, and just work your way back between Charlotte and Sasha, Becky and Sasha. Sasha comes up a lot, by the way. Natty and Charlotte. Like the amount of great matches on these takeovers and you know, at times on the WW Network NXT product, but mostly on the takeovers. The work rate's incredible. The the it's compelling. You're excited. You're riveted, beginning to end. You know, it's amazing. You have a ladder match between Balor and Owens. That was even the best match on the card. Mm. People could not get enough of Sasha and Bailey. It was incredible. Does it surprise you how how good those girls are in NXT? No, it doesn't surprise me. What it does, it just shows a better appreciation of women's wrestling. Let me rephrase it. Does it surprise you how over? It is in the arena when they have their matches, like you said. Re- At re- first, yes, but now it's just like it's become we're we're expecting it now, and 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 really here too to to extend on what Doug was saying, Violetta, my fiance, she doesn't really watch any wrestling. If you asked her what was better, and this is a non wrestling fan, what was better, NXT 
on Saturday or SummerSlam on Sunday. She's going to say NXT. So not only is Why? the wrestling fan... Because of what Doug said, there's conclusions. There's finishes to the matches. If you don't know the story going in or the story going out, SummerSlam's confusing to you. But you could watch NXT and not know anything prior, not know any kind of story prior, but just watch the matches and the quality of those matches and having those finishes. That's why NXT is so over with everybody right now. And the one thing I could say from fan reaction, too, is you could just look at Full Sail and say, okay, it's... It's a special environment. They have great fans down there, and they know they know their cues. They they know when Bailey comes out, you know you you throw the hands up, and she's a hugger and all that good stuff, you know. And even though Kevin Owens was extremely over at the beginning, he's done enough heel moves that now they're gonna boo him, and they're they're gonna hit their marks. But when they're out in San Jose, and we were in attendance there, and they got five thousand people, and that's a completely different market, and people are bananas and then they're in new york which is a whole different type of fan and they're out of control and like you said the numbers were like the same numbers yeah as 13, the, the clean, right exactly what they could fit in for SummerSlam and for raw they packed it the barclays for nxt now that's that's telling you something totally different to play these markets i think it just shows the confidence that management has with the NXT product, how over NXT is. They don't mind. They'll go to Philly. They'll do New York. They'll go know, to the UK. You, yeah. This UK yeah. tour. They'll sell the whole thing clean, I'm telling you right now. And, not, and, and you got to tell me, it, not just we watched it, we heard it, but, I mean, Tokyo had to be out of control. It was great. Yeah, Tokyo, Tokyo was great, too. That wasn't so much an NXT thing, though. But, it was I mean, still a kind of a takeover. It was a network. It takeover. was, yeah, you know, with 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 Brock and yeah. with Cena, and True. I guess you, you had know, Brock on there. yeah. But I mean, I, I I think that people there's a vibe to it, and it's hot. I'm really obsessed with the with the women's matches though, because it reminds me of. I told Sasha this when she was on my show. It reminds mm-hmm. me of early '90s, mid '90s, all Japan women, where the girls were better than most of the guys. And I'm seeing this a lot in the NXT, but I'm not seeing it in the WWE yet. No, not yet. Do you think there'll ever be a time when they'll be able to get 20 minutes on a pay-per-view, a WWE pay-per-view for a single match? Well, I mean, we never thought we'd be seeing what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with the Ronda Rousey popularity and, 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 and the U.S. women's soccer team. So there is an uprise in popularity with female athletics. So... You know Vince McMahon a hell of a lot better than we do. I mean, I'm sure he's on top of what's trending and what's popular, and that seems to be on the uptick. So I I would think as a fan it's probably a possibility. From the outside looking in, it just seems that when they're in NXT, they can have a feud. They can go beginning to end. And this is gals or guys, by the way, and and they they can play it out. Then they come up to the main roster, and as talented as Sasha is, I'm her biggest fan. She's in a group now. It's Lost in the Sasha. shuffle. It's not Sasha anymore. It's Team Bad. Along with two other teams. She's exactly. in a group of three with two other groups of three. So there's nine girls now. Where's the feud? Right. Why am I Where's watching? the characters? Why, and, and when are these? Uh, the only thing that I could think of in terms of what is going to be compelling is when they break up. Why? I don't want to have a situation put together just so I can see it come apart and unravel. Mm-hmm. I want to have something compelling right now. Give me Sasha versus somebody. Yeah. Give right. me right. Sasha versus Nikki in a match. I don't care if Sasha loses, but let's put Nikki to the test here. Let's see what they can do for 15 minutes in the ring. And by the way, Nikki Bella is infinitely better in the ring than she was years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, 
I'm impressed with at least the way that she's dedicated herself to the craft. There are a lot of gals. Like Alicia Fox, talk about being stuck in a role. Like, there's a gal who is fantastic in the ring. I want to see her in a 10-minute She did match. a great job with the with the, uh, Tough Enough, their first match ever. Oh, yeah. And they sent Foxy down there. And she did. I was really proud of her. I didn't know if she'd be able to pull it off with, you know, people that haven't even had a match yet. And they did a really good job. She did a really good job. And what's you know? the obsession with factions? Like, I get there's been times in the history of pro wrestling, the Four Horsemen, obviously, DX. There's been times that it's been successful. But it seems like they go down that road so many times. I mean, nine times out of ten, it's just doesn't catch on it doesn't work well especially when they split up the faction like you bring in the nxt girls and two of them are on one team and one's on the other yeah, wouldn't it seem more uh logical call back don't think logically <laughs> to put the nxt girls as a you invading force but you know whatever I, maybe i would have liked that but well, let me ask you a question though because you, you brought it up I, I mean i we were shocked that amanda didn't win i i just from this standpoint the nation controls the vote right completely what i mean what were they looking at that that, that they thought that Sally was a better candidate? To I don't be a know. Diva I blame the Miz. <laughs> yeah, I, I think do. you're I right. I blame the Miz. But but had the Miz not saved her, she would have been gone that week. Yes, yeah, she would have. Which she is interesting. Low, she was low on the tonal pole. And it's when Miz saved her that then she then embraced it because this yeah. is a girl that came from the the you know bikini beauty pageants, top of the mountain. She's like a champion, world champion bikini, whatever the, the whatever the competition is. She won it, rightfully so. So. Yeah, absolutely, right? But then these girls are used to being cheered and suddenly everyone's booing her. And it's like she said, okay, I'll embrace the heel persona. So maybe people aren't voting for her because she's being a heel. But to me, that shows that she can actually do this even more by playing this character. But I think maybe she didn't win the big money. But as we know, for example, with American Idol, Adam Lambert didn't win. Daughtry didn't win. Jennifer Hudson didn't win. I don't think winning in this case, maybe you don't get the big payoff, but I think in the long run she'll she'll make a lot more money, you know, doing what she's doing. I think she'll also have an easier time in the locker room. Absolutely. When she's not walking in with a quarter million <laughs> yeah. in the pocket. Absolutely, and minimal skills, maybe, yeah. you know. And we also saw from the last season of Tough Enough, when Stone Cold did it, that the first person that was eliminated was the one person that made it to that the made main roster. To the show, right. So, so never yeah, I think happen. that's going to be different this time because I think Josh, could, if uh, Josh and Amanda, with two months of, of training every day, will be able to start doing matches in NXT. I've already seen it, what they can do with the two matches they had, one just amongst themselves and then the other one that they had on the live TV yeah. show. Two observations with Josh. One, maybe he can wrestle in something other than underwear. Just <laughs> throwing that out there. Two, it just shows you how good Cesaro is. And I thought Josh Absolutely. was super, sure. super athletic. You know, he was very, very impressive. He clearly was the, the should have been the winner, mm-hmm. was the right winner. America did did that one right. Picked the right one there. But damn, Cesaro is just... Yeah, yeah he just was the, the guy that we're like, okay, this is there's no need to worry about about yeah. any of this he'll make them both look great but let's bring it back to to the busted open show tell me some of your favorite guests that you've had on the show uh and, and for different reasons different stories that, that those guys have told uh, i would say it's i'm gonna steal your thunder here but uh rick flair mm-hmm. our wrestlemania retrospective show and him just talking about uh, you know a couple different stories but the the wrestlemania match versus sean and the send-off on monday night raw and just him breaking down as far as how loved he was. Just truly, like, like I'm sure he understood how much the fan base appreciated him. But to that point, and, and the guys and the girls in the back, and, like, you know, just everything that went into that moment and his send-off with WWE, and how much he's 
respected it and cared about it and always, you know, even when TNA came up, you know, him just asking the question, hey, cool to dabble a little bit here and there. And, you know, just this, the ultra respect of that man who I agree with Dave, the greatest of all time and how emotional he was talking to us, recounting a moment that happened several years prior to was just incredible. For me, it would probably be uh, Bully Ray or Bubba Ray Dudley, (laughs) however he's called now. Talking to him, he's like, he really is a wrestling mastermind. Absolutely. He is. And, you know, he's got a reputation. A lot of people are scared of him. I remember we're dealing with TNA. Like, when we asked for him, the PR people, it's like, no, he doesn't do interviews and you don't want (laughs) to talk to him. And he's always been great. And I broke the ice. Remember we had him because I drank his beer. His beer was sitting there, and I drank his <laughs> beer. And I figured that was a great way to break the ice. But or piss him off. One yeah, or piss him off. And I, I, I took a chance. And it worked <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, but he's just somebody that – and he's like you, which is – believe me, is, is so special to us to hear you say that you enjoy listening to our show because we, got, we get the same vibe from him. So there's that mutual respect, and he's somebody that – just has that wisdom about pro wrestling, and he gives you such a great perspective. Whenever he calls in or stops in, it's always good to have him on the show. When um, when you had a Ric Flair on, and I know you're a huge Ric Flair huge. fan. We mentioned earlier talking about Bruce Dickinson about how you looks a little bit scary. Like I have Bruce tomorrow, and I'm not freaked out, but it's like I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Well, you have more on your pad than you have right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but like, but like, but like Dave said, 30 years of being a Maiden fanatic. Sure. I don't think I'll have to worry about it. But when you have Flair in there, was it a little bit like uh, daunting at first? Yeah, I, of course. It's it's Ric Flair. Yeah. I mean, that's the guy that you know I watched for all these years. I wanted to be Ric Flair. You know, I wore a suit just because I wanted to look like Ric Flair. <laughs> so, uh, and that's the only way you can get me in the suit, by the right. way. But yeah, at first Except you if you're are waiting in the ring. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll see about that. We'll see what he's wearing. <laughs> we'll see about that. The fake tuxedo um, shirt. Uh, but you know, it, yeah, of course, you, you know. There, there is that moment that it's not so much nervousness, but like, yes, this mm-hmm. is awesome. This is the guy that I, I wanted to – it validates what you're doing. I'm right. talking to the man, so it makes you feel good about yourself and what you're doing. You know, you said something before. Um, you, you mentioned AJ Styles. So I don't know if you remember at the end of AJ's run with TNA, he had a character that basically didn't talk. He was just this silent assassin, dark character. And I remember that was our Boston show. We did the, the yes. TNA up Boston, in Boston. Yep. Was that a what was that? Slam anniversary. Slam anniversary. All blurs together. <laughs> and AJ um, was in character, and he didn't come out of character. And AJ was always really good to us. And we talked to the the PR person. He was like, "Listen, this might not work out well. I don't know how it's going to work out." But if you want to give it a try, you guys are cool, and we trust you and respect you that we'll give you AJ. Only if he accepts, but we'll let you do it. Just understand with the scenario. We get the scenario. Okay. AJ comes out, and I could see he's just, whether he's in character or not, he's just pissed off. And as it turned out, there was a lot of real-life drama going on there behind the scenes. So it, it it was magic. He was angry cursing at us just also it worked it was incredible to the point where i don't know who had the last question you or i but he slammed the headset down he's like screw you guys slammed the headset down walked off we were like we looked at each other (laughs) 
<laughs> we go, whoa, and then we're like, high five. And this is right after the Sting and interview, so we're like, already kind of right. shell-shocked. It was so point. political. The Greco, the political bastard. And then two minutes later, AJ pops back around the corner with a big-ass smile on his face. He's like, how was that? <laughs> <laughs> Off the air, obviously, but that was like, that was amazing. And then I would just say for me, because it's never happened, I don't know if it'll ever happen, if we ever get The Undertaker... I might be crapping my pants. Yeah. I am the Undertaker mark of the show, and that would be my mark out moment. And that's, and no pun intended, your mark out moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> that's the thing, though, with Takers, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. Know, you know, yeah. he's kind of the, uh, the, the crown jewel in the podcasting world, too. No one's ever had him or Rock. You know, it's like I remember I was I went through a phase last year. Where I got Triple H, cross it off. I got uh, Hogan, cross it off. I got Batista, cross. I was like in competition with myself against all the other podcast guys because I had to get these guys. Yeah. But Taker is kind of the one who, if you can get him, but but that how would I don't know if he could ever do a conversation like we have. Well, that's the thing. Would he be in character or not? I don't think. Well, if he's in character, you're not going to get anything. You know, stare at you. Yeah, like, you, know, you will rest in peace. I will cut his throat open. That would it's be a like, quick uh, interview, bro. but even if probably out of character, I would guess, and and you would know better than me. But I would guess too. His answers would be short. And he, but know, the thing is, the real Undertaker is one of the coolest, nicest, friendliest, funnest guys you can talk to. Like he'll tell a story. You know, he will talk. That guy's no problem getting him to talk. When you're in the dressing room hanging around, but it's just I'm wondering in front of a microphone, which is first mm. podcast or first interview yeah. on Busted Open. I don't know how it would come across. You know what I mean? Neither do we. And you by know. the way, that's probably the nerve wracking part. Love the it's opportunity. Like, how, what do you do? What do you do? You know, yeah. in character, out of character. You'd be dancing around. For, you'd be throwing those little butterflies. Sure, sure, sure. Until it gets <laughs> rolling. Yeah. All right, here we go. How do you start? Yeah. Right. But for a moment, like an embarrassing moment, it was non-Busted Open. It was it was pre-Busted Open. I was doing like my own podcast that got heard by like five people mm -hmm. but i actually got a credential to an event and i actually came up to you and i and the first and i figured here's an icebreaker so i asked you like a fozzy question uh -huh. and uh, i said when are you going to do a striper cover and you look at me dead in the eye and he said we don't do covers anymore. <laughs> and then at, at that point, it's like, well, thank you very much. It was good. And I started, right. Oh, you yeah, right. dude. I was like, I was like, oh, my God. I just had Chris Jericho and I blew it. I, I don't care if I'm up against the break. I don't care if the show's over. I am not ending an interview on a bad question. I won't mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. you know, and I've asked some doozies. I'm like, damn, that was bad. But I will, I will, I will end it on a good note. It's like I will not walk off a basketball court with a lot of, at least hitting a layup. That's not true. I, I got to be honest. In the six years that we've been on here, I don't remember you asking a bad question. You asked some tough questions. Like I've heard you ask tough questions where I cringe and like, oh my god, I don't know what the answer is going to be. But I don't remember you asking a bad question. I appreciate mm -hmm. that, Dave. Talking about Undertaker and how much of a big fan you are, what do you think of kind of his uh, resurgence where, you know, last year he just did, I think it might have been the last couple of years, he just did the WrestleMania yeah. match and then was gone until the next year. Now he came back and did SummerSlam. He's going to do a couple of pay-per-views. I think he's doing this. Mm. It's funny. There's a, there's an ad for the Mexico tour that's going around talking about the, the three Mexico shows and the three guys on the video commercial, the three hot young, young upstarts of Chris Jericho, The Undertaker, and Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> How awesome is that? You're the young guy in the group. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. That's the way I can still be young. What do you think of his resurgence, though? I think it's awesome from this standpoint. As, as a huge Undertaker fan, and after seeing him at 30, 
I was nervous uh, to the point where I'm like, that might have been his last match because maybe he just can't do it anymore. Right. Physically, mm-hmm. right. he did not look like The Undertaker mm-hmm. to me. He looked gaunt in the yeah. face. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah. He, I, I was stunned almost to see that guy, that mm. mark, so to speak. And um, it was different last year. But last year, again, he had no build. I mean, literally, it was Bray Wyatt talking to himself going into WrestleMania. Right. And by the way, just a brilliant job. He is so talented. Like, Wyatt? Bray oh, Wyatt. Yeah. Out of control talent. I agree. He had to talk to himself for a month and change, you know, two months <laughs> to set that build up. I mean, that's impressive stuff. And then you look at this Undertaker that you got at SummerSlam, and this was like a full, hearty Undertaker. You know, you got... You know, you got your signature moves. You know, you got some nasty. You're getting some low blows. You're getting some some differences. Some, some hair. Yeah, you got a little. <laughs> I, hair. Hated the, I, like I hated it. the Mohawk Undertaker. Yeah. It's like that's not good. He needs he has, hair. He has the partial sting going on up there, <laughs> um, and he looks he looks full. He looks yeah. strong. And yeah, it made me big feel shoulders, like, big chest. Yeah, yep. man, and it made me feel like you know what? Everybody wants to talk about Dallas, so it's gonna be his last ride at AT and T Stadium. Bullshit. Yeah, I, I agree. bet you he's around for a couple more years, and it looks and why not? Like to me he can do it. And why not? If, if, if he comes back looking that way and working that way, it, it just makes you happy. If he comes back frail and gaunt, you don't want him. To, you don't want to see that. Yeah. And I love what we saw at SummerSlam. I, I'm one of the few people that actually liked the ending of that match. I, I love the low blow. This is a different Undertaker than yeah. we, that we've seen. So well, I'm really, sh- yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what happens. But it was the it was like the double protection because you had the low blow, but you also had you had Undertaker tap. And that was the quirkiest yeah. right. right there. So, We've never seen that, really. No, you haven't seen that, and I could have done without that because, <laughs> I mean, what do you have in the guy? Have him low blow Brock. Have the ref turn. Have, have the ref bump that happened in the Cena match in the Undertaker match, and then you get the low blow, and then, uh, you know, whoever it is, you know, comes to life and gives you the one, two, three, and I feel much better about that ending, Dave. To be yeah, honest. and I get that, and, and, and I know you're with me on this. Like, I understand Brock and I understand what, what they're doing with Brock Lesnar, but to me, I look at Brock as the guy who left wrestling to do MMA and wrote in his book that he's not passionate and he's all about the money. And I look at Undertaker as a guy that's been been there, done that, and flags, you know, has the whole flag for, for pro wrestling. And, and I'm I'm an Undertaker fan, and I'm going to be rooting for Undertaker. Interesting. That's the way it is. The, the ultimate, can we call him the Fonz? He is the, the Fonz, man. Hey. Yeah, he's the, he is the locker room yeah. leader and the coolest guy you'll meet. You know, the fonts. Awesome. As we're winding down here, I mean, I was going to ask you this earlier, being serious, and so many people come here, like if you're doing a press tour, serious is the place to be. Yeah. Have you ever seen anybody walking around the hallways that like you had to get a picture with that wasn't in wrestling? Yeah. Oh, yeah, all the time. I try to avoid, I got to be honest, and I say this in, with all sincerity, I don't want to get fired. So if I, oh. if I go up, if I do the whole bum rush, you know, to a star, you really put yourself so in that's an awkward frowned position. upon to not really do that. It's a faux pas unless you've asked somebody. Like gotcha. usually you should ask somebody from PR. You know, one of our our talent relations folks were amazing. To okay, you now you you know I'd love a picture with so and so. The one that got away for me. You know, everybody's gonna laugh because we're t- everybody's talking metal on the show. A couple of metalheads. I'm a Bon Jovi fan. Oh, that's killer! Yeah, I love Bon Jovi. Yeah, it's amazing. And he was here, and I don't know how I missed him, but that would have been the one where I weaseled my way. Did you see him walk by? Ah. You know, I don't even know if I saw him or saw his name on the board. I'm like, no, what happened? But that that was the one that got away. See, I'm just the opposite. 
If I see Paul Stanley in the hole, I'm, I'm going up to Paul Stanley, dude. And I got Udo from Udo from Accept was here. I'm going, dude. That's Udo. I'm going up to Udo, and I'm 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 meeting him. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally the opposite. Chaka Khan, Chaka. I love Chaka Khan. Chaka Chaka Khan. And Chaka I'm going Khan. up, and I'm going up what? to Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. If you could get a picture with Chaka Khan and Udo at the same time, then you'd have something. Well, the oh the biggest God. thing I, I'll never forget it was when I first started working. Working here, Cronus from Venom. Nice. So Venom is here, right? And, and two people know who they are, dude. And but here's the thing: I see Cronus. You lost me at Udo, by the way. <laughs> I see Cronus from Venom talking to Mel Carmazin. Mel Carmazin, the, 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 he's like former the, CEO, former CEO. Oh, he's like the guru, genius, brilliant radio man behind the whole series. Yeah, oh yeah. behind getting Stern here. Oh. Yeah, dude, he is like the and, top of the food chain, yeah. and obviously a huge Venom fan, dude. And and Mel Carmazin is talking to Cronus from Venom, and I'm like, holy shit, the world could end. Two evil people are talking oh, to geez. each other from different worlds. These are this is worlds colliding, right, right. and one is a fake evil person, and one is just really Real. evil. We'll let you guys decide which one is which. Jeez. Last question, I always like to ask: What's your favorite match that you've ever seen? If you had to choose one, or does one or two come to mind? Ooh, favorite match that I've ever seen, live or TV? Your call. Oh, boy. It's hard to choose just one. Oh, my God. I mean, there are some great ones. Um, I mean, probably watching on tape, just the way the match played out, just in, in terms of the story, in terms of the stage, uh, Macho and Steamboat. You know, yeah. I, I would say that that match, you know, and at the same time, too, I think of another macho match because Miss Elizabeth was behind it um, and Warrior was so good in this match. Um, was that six or seven Ma- macho Might and, and Warrior? Eight, maybe. You're talking about macho versus Ultimate Warrior? Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Oh, my Great God. Great match. With, Five with, elbows from the top. With, of the and they just killed each other, yeah. you know, and, and you had Warrior with his finishing move, you know, how many times and, and, and Macho finally down for the count, but Macho wins in the end because mm-hmm. he gets Miss Elizabeth. So storylines, you know, and, and, and Gorilla Monsoon's call of that match, that's, that's also up there. But go figure. A couple of Macho matches. But it's, it's funny, too, though, when you talk about Warrior and people say, yeah, Warrior was, you know, his work wasn't great. Hogan versus Warrior and Macho versus Warrior are mm. two, if you want to call whatever a five-star match is, yeah, whatever yeah. that means to me as a fan, both of them are five-star matches. Incredible. I'm How glad you, you asked this question because I was supposed to say this at the Gramercy Theater <laughs> with Jim Ross. See, I'll get you. There you go. I'll get it back to you. But my all-time favorite match, without a doubt, is the I Quit match between Flair and Funk. Wow. Yeah, and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm commentating the matches, Jim Ross and Gordon Soley. Oh. I mean, and, and then you got, to me, the most underrated manager of all time in Gary Hart involved in that match, too. So, yeah, the I quit, you know, as Gordon Soley said, you know, two words, five letters, I quit. I mean, I'm sold. <laughs> and, and if you watch that match again, it just it's it's really is like what you said, a five star match between Ric Flair and two classics. And the best part of this is this is Dave and I. This is busted open and that I'm going to probably give you like a WWF, WWE 
something from you know your Hogan Macho era into the Attitude Era, and he's totally gonna go older than that. He's gonna go NWA, you know, and he's gonna give you something from the territory days, and that's that's just what yeah. we do. That's, that's all. The chemistry I wasn't a from. WWF fan. I was and you grew a, up in Jersey. Right? I, I grew up in Jersey. Really I was strange. A, yeah, I was an Yellowfinger. I was an yeah. I called Hogan Yellowfinger. Why is he Yellowfinger? Because well, the yellow the foam foam yellow fingers. fingers they used to sell in the arena. <laughs> Yellowfinger. Dude, I was a flair guy. I was an NWA guy. I was not a fan of the WWF. It's too too cartoonish for me. Did they used to come up to Jersey? Oh yeah, and York? I still went because it's wrestling. So anything wrestling. No, but related, I mean, did NWA used to come? Oh up yeah. To, okay. NW, how about this? It wasn't just the NWA. It was they. It was called Pro Wrestling USA. It was the NWA and the AWA. All they combined together. and put cards together. It was wow. fantastic. Yeah. Well, the show is busted open. It's on Sirius XM. I always forget what channel is it. Ninety two. Ninety three. Ninety three. And it's it a new, is. You were uh, right though. A new channel. It's oh, okay. So it was. We moved oh. up one digital. Okay. Now. There you go. So it's not a Rush uh, band. It's Rush Sports yes. with uh, busted <laughs> open. Doug Mortman, Dave Lagreca. Great, great time. And uh, listen to the show. I love. I love listening to you guys. You're great. Thanks, Thank man. You. I appreciate it. Always a great time and a lot of laughs with Morton and LaGreca from Busted Open Radio. You can hear them every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sirius XM Rush Channel 93. I listen as much as I possibly can whenever I'm at home driving around. I love those guys. Great analysis. Great uh, chemistry between the two of them. They take a lot of calls. they got great guests. If you want to listen to a, an excellent, informative, fair wrestling show, Busted Open Radio is the show you need to listen to. And if you want to listen to a great rock and roll band, why don't you listen to my band, Fozzie. Uh, I'll tell you why. Because we're heading out with the Kiss Navy on the Kiss Cruise. We set sail on October 30th, going from Miami to Jamaica. I mean, tell me, that's not going to be the greatest time ever. Uh, and then we continue on. I'm hosting the Classic Rock Awards at the Roundhouse in London, England, November 11th. Jimmy Page will be there. Alice Cooper will be there. Iron Maiden, ACDC, Rush, Queen. Uh, it's definitely the biggest hosting gig I've ever had so wish me luck and then we slide right from there into the cinder block party tour with fozzy nonpoint and sumo psycho starting november 13th in rotterdam netherlands go all throughout europe all throughout the uk november 20th in valreal france uh, november 26th at the islington academy in london that's going to be a huge show don't miss that go to fozzyrock.com check out all the cities and venues ticket information vip information come hang out with us we rock um and i, I want to thank you guys for for checking out the band I want to thank you for following me in the WWE. I'm gone for now. Uh, not sure when I'm going to be back, but uh, goodbye, if only for now. But I'm coming back. I swear it somehow. And until then, I thank you for listening to Talk is Jericho. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be here twice a week, and you get it for free. And we're able to do that thanks to my great sponsors, Recovery Max. Check that out at drugstore.com. DraftKings.com. Use that promo code Y2J to play for free. Casper Mattress. Use the promo code Jericho at Casper.com to get 50 bucks off your mattress. Uber, Amazon, uh, Burger King. So many great uh, sponsors I got here. Thanks to all of them, and thanks to all of you for checking them out. And make sure you check out Amazon. Easiest way to support this show. Big thanks to all of you who use the Amazon links whenever you do that online shopping. You know I got the Amazon links for the USA, the UK, the Canada. A. You find all three at podcastone.com. Click on the Supporter Show Sponsors banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Not uh, costing you anything extra. No hidden fees or extra charges. You don't have to buy anything special. Amazon just kicked back a couple bucks at TIJ. Every time you buy anything using uh, them links, we use the money to cover some production costs. So uh, we expect you to do that, and we thank you for doing that. And thank 
thank you for being here. What a great week it's been. Thanks to Gary Sharon from Extreme, uh, former Van Halen lead singer, for some great, great uh, stories. If you haven't listened to that, go check it out. Thanks to the Busted Open guys. Thanks to uh, last week. We had some great shows. The, the uh, Jericho 25th anniversary was awesome. Jerry Ferraro was cool. Dudley Boys were cool. All my shows are good, like I said. Whether you just like wrestling, whether you just like music, whether you just like paranormal stuff, listen to all my shows. I promise you, you will love them. Because you're going to run out of episodes. If those ones you haven't listened to, go back and check them out now. And for example, we got a lot more good ones coming up this week, this Wednesday, next Wednesday, October 28th. This guy has been uh, requested uh, for months and months and months. And I've tracked him. I got him. Shelton Benjamin is here. He has never been on a podcast before. He uh, was a WWE superstar for years, former champion, and now is tearing it up in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Shelton, funny guy, good guy. You're going to hear a side of him you never heard before. That's next week right here on Talk is Jericho. Stay hard, stay hungry, stay cool, stay wet, and stay yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. 